Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 5 of Library Access, the Keyforge podcast. Uh, it's brought to you once again by thekeyforge.com. Uh, my name is Nick, I'm here with Alex and Steven. Uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, our Patreon is live, uh, patreon.com slash thekeyforge. If you like what we do and you want to support the show, uh, go on over there and check it out. Uh, anything helps. Uh, congratulations to this week's winner of our Sealed Crucible tournament. They won a custom set of keys that are pretty cool. And if you'd like a chance at a free physical prize, be sure to sign up for next week's tournament. Uh, we're running an Archon format. It'll be on Tuesday. And it's totally free, so anyone can play. I think it'll run at 7 p.m. CST, and it's single elimination Archon, so it doesn't take super long. Um, it's a good chance to play some Keyforge. Um, speaking of sealed uh, for this week's tournament, have you guys played the new sealed format on the Crucible? I sure have, and I'm uh, enjoying it a great deal. I have yet to actually play a proper sealed game <clears throat> Uh, live and in person with anybody so getting a sort of a little taste of that flavor uh has been super fun for me uh, i think a big part of it has been just the uh one the feeling of okay um i've seen this card before but i've never played with it before but also the sort of reassuring feeling of i've played enough keyforge now that even though i've never even touched this deck before i have no idea what it was i can sort of play with it and do reasonably well with it i'm probably about 50 50 on sealed games i like the five or six that i've played but but uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for the community to really get that flavor. And I'm so glad it's been added to the Crucible because it's such an important early part of uh, Keyforge culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been tricky to play sealed in person. Um, just it's it's not you can't count on your, you know, your, your store having any stock. I've played something similar to it. Like I bought a bunch of decks. I opened them and looked at the deck list for two minutes and then you know, moved on to the next one. So every once in a while I'll be there and, you know, my buddy will be there pulling one of his new decks out. So oh, I just picked this up last night and to make it even, I won't use one of my, you know, super OP decks. I'll, I'll pull one of those out and sleeve them real fast. So I've got a, a taste for it, but I haven't played a, like an actual tournament with it. And I think that would be fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm, I'm happy it's there. Yeah. I played a little bit of sealed tonight. Um, we both just grabbed a couple decks from upstairs. My local game store has, They've run out of stock once, and they've been keeping up on it relatively cleanly. So we, we've got a couple of people who will only play sealed uh, during our Keyforge nights. They'll come, they'll buy a deck, they'll play a couple uh, against each other, fresh out of the pack. And then after that, they'll go and play some other people. Um, so I played a sort of sealed. I opened a bunch of packs on stream when I got a booster box the other night. So I had a couple of those that I haven't touched yet. I remember looking at them being like, oh, okay, this is neat. And I put them in a different pile. So when I went today, I played a little bit of sealed, um, and there is a actual like full sealed tournament at my store going on Saturday. So I'm hoping to at least get a tournament report from that. Uh, I'll probably be streaming that as well, depending on if the store allows me to stream again. Uh, but no, these the sealed format on Crucible I think is absolutely fantastic. It lets people get every now every single flavor of Keyforge that is out there. So you have any kind of sealed play you want any kind of Archon play that you want. And it seems really solid. And I'm about 50-50 on this sealed stuff as well, on Crucible anyway. There's been a couple times where my deck has just been hot garbage. And there's been a couple times where I'm like, oh, thanks to these horsemen, I'll, I'll do okay. I would be super interested to know exactly how the decks for sealed are selected. Like, I, I, I haven't actually gotten a straight answer 
on whether or not they went through and selected a certain number of the decks that have been registered to the Crucible are available or whether it's every deck that's ever been registered to the Crucible. Because I swear in like the first three or four games that I played sealed, the decks that were coming up were felt very specific. Like I played against a horseman deck. I played with a time traveler deck, um, you know, uh, very sort of like iconic styles of Keyforge decks seemed like they were in the mix right from the jump. That might've been a complete coincidence, but the impression that it gave me was, oh, they selected a bunch of interesting and, you know, dare I say, maybe perhaps even balanced decks for that purpose. I'd be interested to know that. Have you guys heard anything about that one way or the other? Uh, I haven't heard anything definitive. Um, I would guess my my ideal would be that they managed to like pull a random deck from like the master vault api what i think is more likely is they just randomize the decks that have been registered into their system um which is i was gonna say it's disappointing but it's really not it's it's not quite accurate for like a totally sealed thing i'm not ragging on it at all not one even one percent um it, it doesn't give you like the true sealed experience because i think like the vast majority of decks registered on crucible are either going to be like good or excellent um you know i guess people people register deck, bad decks to play them or whatever but i think you know there's a big portion of them, a big percentage of them that like people will see they're bad and like not even bother to register them so those probably won't make it into your hands very often but on you know if that's true it doesn't cause a problem because it's still a level playing field it's just a level playing field that's cut out like the very bottom tier of decks um, and again, that's just a guess. I don't know that that's how that actually works um, as far as I'm just pulling it from their system, but that would be my guess. Yeah, I, I register all my decks on both Crucible and in the Vault, it, good or bad, whatever they are. So I'm hoping somebody gets to play with some crazy, some of my crazier decks, but... I haven't played... Uh, I haven't... Uh, re- sorry, I haven't registered all of my decks on Crucible. Um, I pulled them all into the Vault, obviously, but... There are some of them that I can just look at and tell, like, man, you're not going to be any fun to play with at all. It's just going to be frustrating. I don't. I don't need to put myself through that. Let me ask you this then: when it comes to playing sealed, either in person or on the Crucible, do you find that to be a, a very different experience um, beyond the obvious? Obviously, playing with a deck you know well versus playing a deck that you've never played before is always going to be a different experience. But do you find that the game feels different? Because one of the things that I've noticed is that it's much more of a game of me thinking really hard about what's in my draw pile, what I can expect in upcoming turns than decks that I know well, that that's sort of at the back of my mind and sort of shifting gears on that thought process feels like almost a different game to me in some ways with sealed. I definitely agree with that. Like it, it means you have to kind of go in with a more neutral look at all the decks and you can't pre look at your deck and be like, okay, this deck's good, this deck's bad, I'm going to obviously play the good deck. You have to go in with an open mindset and be like, how do I make this deck win, no matter if it's bad, no matter if it's good? How do I become a better pilot for this specific deck, for this specific game, tournament, whatever you have for your sealed event? Yeah, yeah, I I feel pretty similar to that. Uh, It's definitely a different game. I treat it differently. When I play... Um, and that's probably going to change when I get familiar with more of my decks. As it stands right now, I, I have like literally one good deck. I have one, you know, I, it's not a 10 out of 10 deck, but I'll call it a 10 out of 10. And then I have one 8 out of 10. And everything else is like pretty much confirmed to be a 5 out of 10. Um, so I stick to the one. And with that, I've learned it just like the back of my hand. I know exactly 
what I what I need, what I have, what I don't have. Like I can see my loss coming from three turns away just because I can, you know, I'm I'm not some genius. I I can't you know key for key count cards or anything like that. I can't tell like oh I've discarded all these and here's what's going to draw next. But you know I at this point like I just I'm so familiar with it I can tell what's you know what's coming up in the next you know two or three draws something like that. Um, so when I play sealed, it's actually how I prefer to play. Um, I, I even kind of take it a step further, not intentionally. It's because I'm not good at analyzing identity cards, but I'm really going into it blind. And uh, it does kind of, like you said, it forces you to really just like turn every gear in your brain and pay like as much attention as you can. And I'm, I'm just deep analyzing literally every aspect of the game, which is probably probably a useful skill to learn because you know forcing yourself you know here's a here's a really crazy example that a lot of people won't be able to relate to if you want to learn guitar you learn on an electric guitar because an acoustic guitar is 10 times as difficult to play for your fingers it's just there's more there's more of a gap between the strings and the and the fretboard it's just it's like learning guitar on hard mode but if you were to do that and really power through it then you get on electric guitar and you've just you know, you've got 10 times the finger muscle and like, you've just, you've learned it the most difficult way and you're, you're a better, you have a better outcome because of that. And it's kind of the same with that. If you play sealed all the time, it's forcing you to consider scenarios like you haven't done before and, you know, play the game maybe more tactfully, carefully, whatever. Um, so when you carry that over into Archon format with like your decks, you're, you're probably a better player because of it. Yeah, I would definitely agree. There is one thing that I think is interesting about playing either uh, uh, sealed or regular format on the Crucible, um, and I wanted to see if it's a thing that you guys do. Unlike if you're playing face-to-face, you can look at your draw pile on the Crucible, and it doesn't tell you what order the cards are coming up in, but it does tell you what's still left in your deck. Now, that's a thing that you could theoretically do by looking at your discard and your Archon card in a face-to-face game. But I dare say that if you like spent a bunch of time doing that, people might get a little bit peeved, so it's not something I would ever do. But I find myself doing it all the time when I play on the Crucible, and it kind of changes the way I play a little bit um, in a way that's not transferable to the face-to-face game. Do you guys ever do that? Uh, I discovered that on accident the other day, um, and I like wasn't exactly sure what it was. Um, cause I was confused. I was like, no, it wouldn't show me these in order. Surely. Um, but I haven't done it since because I just, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of, it seems it's not cheaty. You're totally right. You know, you can, you can easily do that with your identity card, you know, and you could probably do it pretty quick. If, you know, if I use like my one deck that I'm super familiar with, I probably wouldn't even lose a bunch of time. Um, but it just, it doesn't, it feels, I don't know. I, I guess that's it's nonsense for me to say that because it's all verifiable in another one way or another. You know, you've only got thirty six cards in your deck. You can you can pretty much count them mentally if you really care to. But it um, something about it just seems dishonest and like it it gives me and also I feel like it gives me an unfair advantage because I feel like most people aren't aren't savvy to the fact that you can do that. Yeah, I think it's a habit you need to break there, Alex. I I think that you're training yourself with a skill that is exactly not transferable. Um, and just kind of knowing the fact that it's there is nice. Sometimes you'll need it. Sometimes you're like, oh, okay, what, you know, what does this deck have? You know, kind of thing. But for the most part, I think having that skill is good, but learning how to have that skill by looking at your discard and remembering what cards you've played is a much better way to 
keep that in check and also just allowing yourself to get better at that skill for in-person play. I, I think you're reinforcing a bad habit. I think you're definitely correct that I'm reinforcing a bad habit. I'm going to have to break myself of it. One thing that I do think is useful for, though, is if you're playing sealed on the Crucible, I, I know that you can click on the deck name that it gives you right at the top of the chat window when you first load into the game server, to, and it'll actually bring up the uh, the, the window in the, the Master Vault, which is awesome. But I don't like looking in a different window while a game is going on in the Crucible, even if it's not my turn, because I really have to concentrate hard on what my opponent is doing. So being able to open up the draw pile and just get a quick idea, even from the artwork of what's in a sealed deck that I've never played before, I think is very handy. But once again, not transferable. Speaking of turn times, what do you guys think a reasonable turn time is? If I have to like quantify it to a number, around a minute, a minute and a half. I think two is fine if you know you have a bunch of stuff you're trying to figure out and math in your head. Um, anything more than two, you're—I don't want to say you're doing it maliciously to stall, but. It's kind of stalling after two minutes on a turn. Keyforge is not a game that's really designed for these insane combo wombos. Um, and I, I'm definitely a little more lenient with that in sealed format. But I think in the Archon formats, I think a minute, minute and a half is a reasonable time to get your game done on time at a competitive scene. Uh, with, 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 your, with your friends, whatever. I was going to say... Two, after two minutes, I'll I'll really start to analyze kind of what's going on. You know, it's up until two minutes, I think I'd, I'd be super patient. I wouldn't like a two-minute turn every turn uh, for my opponent. But after two minutes is when I start, you know, getting antsy and, you know, wondering like, at what point do you, you know, you'll holler at a judge or something like that. Because there's some games, I don't know, and I... I think we've we've yet to kind of have it balance out and like see how, how things are going to work with Keyforge, but... I went to a tournament, yet my second actual tournament yesterday, and some of the games. There was one guy who's ever, who every game he played uh, went longer than all the other ones. And when I finally got a chance to play him, I saw why his deck is just really. He wasn't taking long on his turns. His deck just does that. Um, but there were a couple other fellows who were new, and I remember like my whole point. I guess I remember when I first started, the games took so long. You know, forty-five minutes or an hour for a game was. It was not unheard of, and time just flew when you were doing it. Um, but now that I'm kind of in it, you know, and it happens quicker on Crucible, I think, just because there's no banter, there's no, you know, you can focus strictly on the game as opposed to what the person's doing or saying. Um, it seems like, you know, 20 minutes is about the sweet spot where it lands. Um, but I, I have seen some people just take an absurdly long time on each and every one of their turns. And, like, you can... You know, they'll be out of cards. You know, they'll have played all their cards. They'll have done everything they can. And they're just still sitting there just like analyzing their board state. There's not, literally nothing they can do. Everything's reaped. Everything's exhausted, whatever. Um, so I've, I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Like, you know, at what point, at what point do you holler at somebody? And like people have had the idea and like it would never make it into like a, the official whatever. But using chess timers, like I wish there was some equivalent of that. You know, because they say there's like a 30 minute window. So it'd be really nice if there was some way to like, you know, physically in front of them, have somebody be accountable. You know, maybe they're not aware of how long they're taking, because I think that's a thing. I think, a lot, you know, playing card games, you learn a lot about like social behavior from 
from people that you might not learn about otherwise. And like some people are really just oblivious to certain things. Um, you know, turn time being one of them. So I don't know. I make a short answer, super, super long. I would agree with you on like two minutes is probably the tops unless, unless they're actively doing something, they can take all the time in the world. You know, if somehow they're just like, you know, library accessing and doing all this stuff. Like if something's happening, as long as they're progressing the turn, I think that's totally fair and fine. And right now all the tournaments are done in the relaxed tier format. So like we're getting a lot of newer players who this might be their first or second time playing Keyforge. Um, one of my friends, he really enjoyed the game when I showed it to him. It was his second time ever playing Keyforge. He barred one of my decks for an Archon Adaptive Tournament a couple weeks ago, and he got fourth place. And he took relatively decent amount of turns, uh, like the two-minute turns, somewhere in that range. Um, but again, I had the last tournament that I went to, uh, we had a really amazing kid. He's probably 10, 11 years old uh, from a couple towns over. Uh, they're from the uh, Oneana area, I believe. And he was fantastic. He was absolutely great in his turns. But every once in a while, a couple turns took him a little longer because, you know, he's trying to math and stuff like that. And I'm not going to call a judge for that kind of stuff. Like, especially if he's new, if he's learning the game, don't call a judge on that kind of stuff unless it's getting, you know, really ridiculous. If it's a younger person and it's a relaxed tier format, don't call a judge. You're you're just being a jerk. Like, take take it and assess the situation that you're in before you call a judge over time. I think that's that should be the big takeaway. Like, I definitely agree. Two minutes is the, the right answer for a turn at the at the high end. But at the same time, if you're if your turns are going fast, like, and you know they're having a little bit of a time struggling with it, this is a game that's bringing people together. And I think that's one of the biggest things about this game is that everyone is so excited and it's brand new and everyone's going for it. Like, don't take assess of the time, take assess of your situation. Rule zero. Don't be a jerk. Right. I, I mean, well said. And I, I think like a lot of people say, Oh, that goes without saying, that's obvious. But like, no, you have to remind people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's, it's an interesting social dynamic. Like this, the kind of like board game card game world. And a lot of the people, you know, a lot of the people need some kind of like, you know, jabbing reminders. And a lot of people need some just polite reminders, just some, you know, take people by the hand and show them like, hey, you know, here's how you be a cool guy, you know. And that that's not like to get down on anybody, but it, it goes a, a little bit of kindness and understanding goes a long way. That being said, I'm going to express some lack of kindness and some of my anger from my tournament yesterday. So. My only experiment or uh, experience, sorry, with actual tournaments uh, were when I was super little. I was like, you know, 11 years old, 12 years old, and my mom would drop me off at uh, Toys R Us to play Pokemon and then Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, man, I remember old school Pokemon tournaments back with the gym badges. Good times. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they would, uh, you know, she'd give me five bucks, and I'd go in there, and I'd, I'd lose first round literally every time. I'd go home with a pack, and that was okay. Um so fast forward to, you know, years and years later now, uh, I've had my first actual tournament experiences. Uh, my, my store hosted one on Saturday. Um, I got second, and then they hosted one on Monday, and I also got second. Um, Congrats. To the Congrats. same guy both times. Yeah, thank you. Um, but the, the first one went great, um, no issues. The second one, I... I'm not familiar enough with turn how tournaments work. Um, and I, I play. I guess I shouldn't. 
the tournament aspect of it shouldn't matter because I've played with other people. I've gone to casual every single night, um, and I've played all sorts of different people. But I played somebody who I think was younger, maybe 16, something like that, uh, came with their dad. But they, you know, I asked him, how long have you been playing Keyforge? And they were super smart, super, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was playing a kid. Um, I said, oh, we, you know, when it was the, uh, like the demo weekend or whatever, like that's when we got ours. I was like, oh, wow. So like, as long as you can, like, yeah, yeah. Um, And as we were playing it, they did like six things wrong that were, were not like small things to do wrong, but like, I don't know. I, I couldn't, my point is I couldn't tell if they were like malicious and on purpose, like dishonest or not. Like one of the things was they tried to um, use an action on an artifact. uh, And every time they would do that, they tried to get the Amber for it. And I was like, Oh no, it's only when you play it. Oh, okay. And then they were like, just not like fulfilling actual, it was that same card. It was a logos card that says uh, the action for the remainder of this turn, a, a creature gains reap, draw a card. And they were just like trying to turn the card and then action draw a card. Um, so I had to explain that to them. And there was a couple other things. But it was just after like the, the third one or whatever. Because it was like there were so many things that they were so competent with the game. And like surely like them and their dad were not so unfamiliar. I don't know. It was just it was really strange. It put me in a weird spot. And thankfully I won. So I didn't have to like dispute anything. But like I know I like missed a couple of those mistakes like the first time they did it. So I'm sure they you know got up a couple amber that they shouldn't have got and this and that um so i don't know i i it i should just take your advice where you said you know just like you know teach people and be cool and don't don't bring a judge over and i wasn't upset about it you know i I wasn't mad i was they were really nice but i it like it for the first time kind of raised raised the idea in my mind like you know at what point do i you know do i raise my hand and you know holler for somebody to come over and ask him you know like I don't know. I just don't know how to approach that situation. I've never, I've never done tournament stuff before. That's a tough spot to be in because you never know what is the situation of, Oh, uh, I've been playing at home with my friends and family and this is the way we played it because we didn't understand the rules properly. So this is my understanding of the way the game works. So, you know, and I've had that happen to me, not necessarily with Keyforge, but with other games that I've played in the past. And I, I think that the best policy is just the gentle reminder of, Oh, I don't think it works that way. You know, and oftentimes having the rules, like literally the last time I went to a tournament, I took a printout of the rules and I uh, had the uh, the spreadsheet with all the rules clarifications from FFG handy just in case anything like this came up. I mean, being able to bring that stuff up without seeming like you're being a rules lawyer and really officious is kind of difficult. But oftentimes I think approaching it as the, I don't think it works that way. Um, let's have a quick look at the rules just to clarify, even when I know I'm right maybe sometimes softens it a little bit because you're not putting it in the position of them being dishonest. You're questioning whether or not the game is being played properly and then affirming what you know to be correct. Um, I, I think that can work pretty uh, you know, well that way. Same thing for calling a judge over sometimes. There was a rules question that I literally knew the proper answer to and could have proven by waving my phone in front of somebody's face, but I called a judge over just to make it less accusatory. So I played dumb a little bit, and I think that went a little bit of ways to keep the game friendly. Right. My concern with that is that the game's so new. What like if the I feel like you've you've entered a whole new realm of of 
I don't know, strange. I don't know what, what you'd call it, strangeness or something. If you ask the uh, judge and they give the wrong answer also, you know, I don't, I don't know what etiquette is, you know, at that point, you know, when your, your judge, your the owner of your store that you're at says, you know, this wrong ruling that's going to cost you the game or something. Do you, do you get to dispute that? And actually I'll, uh, it, it, it reminded me of something. So I went to my tournament on Saturday and it was, uh, there were like six people there, played three games, whoever, you know, got the most wins, wins. Uh, I'm not disputing first place, but second place and third place, uh, we tied, we lost one, one, two. Um, she beat me in one of those games. Um, so anyway, they came over with the prizes, you know, handed him his play mat, uh, gave her the keys. Um, and I asked, I was like, Hey, just curious. And I like, I got damage counters. I said, just curious, you know, how, how is, how's that determined? Uh, you know, cause I think we tied. Um, he said, Oh, hang on, let me go back and check. And he walks over and talks to somebody and he comes back and he says, okay. So, and I'll, I'll say this verbatim because it's confusing. Um, he said, Oh, okay. I went and, you know, I talked to him, uh, you know, I'm actually not the one who took these scores. So I don't, I don't actually know what the scores are. Um, but typically it factors in, um, wins and losses from previous events. Uh, and then he said something else that I didn't understand, but it was like irrelevant. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. And like, he responded, but he didn't answer my questions. Like, cause there hadn't been another event. Like this was the first one. Like if his logic had been, you know, that girl beat you. Uh, so she's second, you're third. I'd have been like, Oh, that's weird. But that totally makes sense. Okay. But it, it was just strange. And at that point I was like, you know, I had already asked once I'd kind of disputed it and I wasn't upset. Like I, I was happy to lose to her. Actually, I wouldn't have been upset about that. She, she volunteered to give me, I, I know her. So she's like, she volunteered to give me the keys and I wasn't buttered about it. She just didn't want them. Um, so it went as, as good as it could have, but like, you know, say I had, you know, really wanted one of those prizes or something like that or the store credit, you know, I, am I allowed to like, you know, double back up? I'm sure I'm allowed to, but like, do I want to be that guy? You know, the only store I go play Keyforge at, do I want to speak up and, you know, argue with him some more and just like, Hey, you know, just not being that guy, but I'm really just curious. Cause I, I feel like I don't want to do that. Nope. It's totally common. Like I, I, I've played a bunch of other card games and if you can prove your fact to a judge, you can dispute the fact. Like I've got a copy of the rule book and I have access to the rules clarifications on my phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, Keyforge Compendium is super handy for stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, like, if, if... See, I don't really have that too much of that problem at my local store because the guy who runs all of our tournaments, he is super on top of the rules. And this is for every game that's there. I mean, this is how he was for Netrunner, how he is for L5R, um, how he is for Magic... He's a t- tier one Magic Judge? He's a Magic Judge of some tier. I don't remember how the tiers go for that. Um, but like his, his job there is to kind of keep up on the rules and stuff. Um, but you've, if you are able to present him with evidence showing that you are correct quickly enough, you know, it, it's not bad to dispute it and it's better to get the right answer than to be on the wrong answer. However, if a judge says a rule is final, if he just puts, puts the hand down and goes, I'm done talking about it. It's final. You got to live with it. The judge called it. That's what you got to do right or wrong. That's the way you're playing right now. Oof. And that's okay. I hate that. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cause a fuss, but you know, I, I would. Re- that's the thing. Like it, it is not, oh, let me rephrase. It's not okay, but you have to live with it. Like if the judge goes, this is the way it has to be. I am ruling it this way. And uh, the tournament that I helped TO at, because my 
the one guy wasn't there, so I kind of stepped up and helped out with TOing. I got a roll wrong. I consistently got the roll wrong. I throughout the entire day, I got a single roll wrong every single time it was asked. I was consistent, and everyone agreed with me that it's fine. I looked after the tournament, and I was like, ooh, I got this rule wrong. Um, it wasn't a big rule. It was on the second game when you lose. I said that you got the choice of being first or second. And I think I've read in there that it's you go first if you lost the first game. Not the worst, but like I, I consistently got it wrong. Um, your other question, though, actually, because I was curious now, I got it, I got it up. There is a actual format for tiebreakers determined by tournament points in the tournament rulebook. So flat out, if you win, including time wins, you get a tournament point. If you lose, you don't get any points for that round. Tiebreakers then go by strength of schedule, then extended strength of schedule, and then if there's still a tie, it's a random dice roll. So her beating you probably didn't matter. Um, it strengthens her schedule, but yeah, it's... If you go on, you can find the entire like PDF for it, and it's it's a really good PDF to read through if you're going to be in tournament play anyway, just so you have like a understanding of what's going on. But yeah, by the sound of it, I without knowing the entire tournament bracket, I w- can't give you a definite answer. But her beating you definitely helped her case in getting second. Okay, interesting. Speaking of etiquette, um, how do you guys handle misplays? Uh, you know, if for example. Uh, your opponent has a mother and you're like halfway through your turn or maybe it's back around to their turn and they see like, oh, they only have six cards in their hand. Do you, you know, and I guess maybe you have two different answers, one for casual play and one for competitive or maybe not. I'm just, how do you guys handle that? It's a tough one because for a misplay, like I, I, if it's something that you don't catch on the turn, I don't believe in like trying to rewind the clock. And okay, uh, it, it, it turns out that you've had this card on the table for three turns that should have been in effect, or I had this card on the table for three turns that should have been in effect. So you need to, you know, take a bunch of amber off of your identity card or what have you. Like I, I don't think the game can properly be played that way. So I think it really does boil down to if you catch something in the right amount of time, just the gentle reminder of misplay, and I hope that somebody would do the same for me and otherwise just sort of the shrugging your shoulders and you know we gotta we kind of gotta uh you know let it fly with the other one i mean the other aspect of misplay that i feel like is something that really uh i have trouble with is the um i used the cards in the wrong order and messed up my turn and that's one where i have to leave it up to my opponent to make the offer they've got to be the one to be like do you want to take that back because i'm not going to ask because I feel too embarrassed by it. And that's probably a personal problem I should get over, but it is genuinely the way I feel. Yeah. No, I, I'm, that's where it comes up for me. You know, I don't typically miss things like that. Um, and if I do, you know, anymore now, as infrequently as it happens, I just ignore it to myself. You know, I'll have mother and I'll realize for, you know, I drew, I didn't draw one extra and I'll say, well, whatever, you know, I'll remember at the end of this turn. Um, but there'll be times where, you know, I had a combo in my hand and I'll play it out of order and I'll, you know, I'll, it might be as soon as I get that first card down, which I, I think that should be passed. You know, I think, I don't know, maybe maybe some diehard Magic the Gathering guy would disagree. But if I, you know, if I say, you know, Sanctum and, you know, I want to play this. And uh, right as I touch that card at the table, I say, wait, never mind. You know, and I like pick it right back up real fast. I think most everyone should give that a pass. Like, you, you know, 
it's like chess. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't really let go of my piece. Like I didn't play that move yet. Um, but I, I have a feeling that like in tournament rule, they might say, you know, like, ah, oh, no, you played it. Um, I guess, a you know, an even more interesting question would be, you know, how would you handle like a, a, a house, a, like an incorrect house call? Um, because it's, it's like, it's arguably less severe, but it's very definitive. You know, it's, it's not like you have a card in your hand and you're starting to play it. It's, you know, I pick logos and then, you know, you shuffle through your hands and say, actually, wait, I want to do this and that. Um, I don't know how enforceable that is in either direction, you know, saying, you know, you can't change it, but would you, you know, is there, I guess, is there a scenario where any of you would say, you know, nope, you can't do that? Nope. No, I, I don't even think I would have, like extremely high level play like on the world stage. I'd rather win by my skill than win by a misplay. So if my opponent goes, Hey, do you mind if I change something out nine times out of 10, I will never have a problem with it. That one time out of 10, it might be just something where I need to like, I, I got to call a judge and make sure that it's okay. in the tournament rule set, because there are some tournaments that, you know, mm-hmm. just allow it. So once you play something, it's done. But I think the, the right answer is as long as the board state hasn't changed majorly and you are able to accurately go back to that point, which is like a turn that that's, that's usually my cutoff, but at a turn, if you make a misplay, we can back it up a little bit. It's not, especially in this game where there's no instance or interactions between hands. Like, I'm fine with that. It is not a big deal to me. I'd rather you win at your best. And if you make a misplay and it's not caught for a couple turns, that's on you. That's kind of also on me because I should be paying attention to your board state as well. But if it's within the same turn, yeah, it's fine. Take your card back, pick it up. We can swap back the amber, you know, whatever is needed to be, as long as we can accurately get there. Um, I had a thing going on tonight where it was the last turn of the game, and I conceded. And not a big deal. I shook hands. It was a friendly game. It wasn't a tournament setting or anything like that, but I conceded 100%. And as I was picking up the cards, I looked down, and I had a key charge and a lost in the woods for untamed in my hand. And he had two creatures that had captured Amber on it. And I looked down and I look at him and I'm like, oh wait, no, I would have won. And I explained it to him and he's like, oh yeah, you would have. And I recorded on, and it's casual, so it doesn't super matter, but I still recorded it as a loss for that deck because I conceded. And it was me missing the play, missing the thing obviously in front of me. Um, so like mm-hmm. we, we both had an understanding that like, yeah, I probably should have won that game. But... I'm not going to go and be like, oh yeah, no, I won that game. Or you can totally have this win with an asterisk next to it. Like, nope, I lost. I conceded. 100% my fault. My misplay. That's something that, you know, I'm not going to go back on. But again, if my opponent did the same thing, I probably would let him have that win in that scenario. Because I'd rather, I would much rather be a good sport and learn from the experience than I would to just win a crazy game like outright and i feel like i would do the exact same in a tournament like if i know i did something wrong i would try and fix it the best that i can um and conceding the game a turn early like i should have took a couple more seconds and looked at the board and been like oh no i still have an out um but like it's just that is how i play the game i'm not super competitive to win i'm super competitive for the experience if that makes sense it does. I actually had somebody misplay that lost them the game, like literally 
the last card they put down instantly gave me the win uh, for a game I was playing on the weekend, which was I was at five Amber and two keys and he put down a Titan mechanic on his flank and then I won. And I basically had to sort of do like a, do you want to redo this? And he didn't, which is fine because I would have won anyway, because I had a key charge in my hand that I could have used. Uh, I could have gotten the win one way or the other. Like, you know, the, the, there's nothing he could have done to stop me. But it was a weird moment in that I think he felt a little embarrassed and perhaps a little too embarrassed to say like, no, no, you know, and maybe that's kind of the lesson in there as well. Sometimes you really do learn from those misplays. I know I've learned from lots of misplays I've made. And sometimes those misplays are ones that like lose you the game. And sometimes they're just little subtle ones where you're like, I could have gotten an extra Amber if I had reaped with this creature first before doing this. Or maybe it's the, you know, the classic of, uh, oh, if I had put down my taunt creature, you know, over here to protect this creature instead of, you know, way off here on the flank, then I would have been, you know, better protected over my next turn. Sometimes making those mistakes is the most valuable thing in the world because it really does teach you to, you know, look at that stuff as you're doing it. As much as we were talking earlier about, like, you know, be cool, try and play your you know, turn in a timely fashion. Sometimes I really do have to like stop, take a deep breath and make sure that I'm not leaving Amber on the table. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. My, my fear with this show is that eventually I will shed this cocoon. That is my charming internet personality. And people will learn how much of a terrible person I am because my answer is, you know, for casual and low level, tournament play like yeah sure you know redo that yeah whatever you know especially if you ask um but if i were you know if it were a decently sized tournament you know even you know just locally whatever final game you know it's the difference between my win or loss you know if somebody miss you know plays you know picks the wrong house something like that i might you know i might in a really nice way just kind of you know shrug and just say like sorry man you know like because it i don't know i i wouldn't do it you know in a real jerk way, but I, I feel like I'm just kind of, I'd be acting in a way that like most other serious competitive people would like it's, it was just a really crappy way to do. It's like, you know, you're not, you don't do evil things in the world because other people are evil. And like, it's not, this is an evil thing I get, but you know, if, if just, if, you know, I feel like somebody wouldn't likely on that same, you know, those same final, you know, plays of the, of a, a big tournament, they wouldn't, give me that same courtesy, you know, that same understanding. So, you know, and it's, it's kind of that guy that I'm playing against might not do that same thing. So I think I'd be a little more strict and I kind of was at the tournament. It wasn't a situation like that, but he, you know, like during his turn, he had, you know, done something with two Brobnar and then he realized like fought two Brobnar and then realized he had a card in his hand that would let him, you know, gain an Amber every time he fought with a Brobnar or something like that. And he was like, Oh, I should have played this first. And he kind of looked at me, and he was just like waiting for me to volunteer it. And like, I, I wasn't a dick about it. It's just like, oh yeah, you probably should have, you know, and like that. And then it went on, and he wasn't mad or anything. But like, I, I don't know. I just, it's maybe it's wrong of me, but I feel like other people wouldn't extend that same willingness to me. So I probably wouldn't be smart to do it to them. I think it's your prerogative in the scenario you just described. And honestly, like, I I can't be mad if I was in that guy's situation and I offer that up and he, you know, my opponent says, you know, shrugs their shoulders or whatever. You know, like I said, learn a lesson from your misplays. 
take a deep breath before you start playing cards and make sure that you have what you're doing, you know, set out. If it's in a super casual game with friends, like whatever. But even then, like I would rather live with my mistake so that I don't make it next time. Right. And we were talking about Crucible earlier. Um, that's a pretty significant difference between, you know, in-person and Crucible play is that you, you know, 99 out of 100 times, you can't back up your turn. You know, it's just, it's so much of a pain. The manual mode exists. You can reverse things. But it's so much of a pain that I feel like most people just don't ask. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like a lot of people ask when they do misplays or they just don't talk at all in Crucible. But the people who ask, like, I, I always say, yeah, if you can back it up correctly, it's not a big deal. Right. I can't count the number of times I've, you know, played a card that has a, you know, stun a creature and it's the literally, literally the only creature. And like I've clicked play. So I've, you know, as far as Crucible is concerned, I've committed to playing it and it's announced that I'm playing this card. Um, but it's, you know, there's lots of times where I would love to just like, oh crap. Like I didn't, I didn't think about that. It was kind of an unattended effect. Um, so I, you know, I guess that is kind of a, a benefit of, you know, one, having a rude opponent in, in real life or two, you know, just playing on Crucible is it, you know, you're, you don't learn that lesson if you're able to, you know, say, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. And they said, OK, that's fine. You know, fix that. You don't really learn that lesson. Like, I, I feel like it doesn't stick. But when you've when you've suffered from it or especially if you've lost the game from it, it's it, it stays there in your mind, I think. Every story needs a villain. I mean, I'm I'm happy to play that part. And I think I kind of am. Uh, because the guy who beats me, it's in the same guy every time, uh, the last two tournaments, um, he's here for, uh, like winter break or something. And then he's going back to college. So had he not been there, I'd have won both of these events, probably, maybe not that it would have disrupted the whole thing, but judging by how it went and the people I've played, I think I would have won probably both of them. I'm likely to be the guy that walks in there and it's like, Oh fuck, Nick's here. Like I just, yeah, I just threw $5 away. Like, not gonna win this one maybe that's really cocky i don't actually think that don't hold that against me i was about to say i'm like yo i'm cocky i'm i'm pretty cocky as a person but like wow you're like i'm gonna walk in and just win a game i'm just going by statistics (laughs) uh to be fair your tournament record is much better than mine i have a second place finish that was tied with three people and i had a fifth place finish like so out of the two tournaments that i've been to so, I mean, your statistics back up your cockiness. I'm just cocky because I think it's funny. Like, I'm okay being that villain sometimes. I, on the other hand, have come in exactly last place in the tournament that I played in. So I prefer to position it like I'm luring everybody into a false sense of security. Like, I'm going to make them think they're getting basically a buy if they play me. And then, bam, I'm just going to swoop in like a vulture and, and steal up that championship. I'm ready. I'm, I'm training in secret. I mean, the problem is that you need to have that bam moment. And right now, I'm, I'm not hearing a bam. I'm hearing this little, like, mouse trying to roar a little bit. And I'm just like... See, what I'm getting out of this is that we need a co-host, uh, a co-host throwdown. We need to have a round robin between the three of us on the Crucible yeah, and see idea. what happens. Oh, it's going to be a bad time for me. Ooh, I don't want this anymore. You, you can win. Don't worry about it. I'm out. I'll, I'll spectate. <laughs> I'm curious, how frequently do you guys mulligan? As often as I can. Better yet, what you know? What decides a mulligan for you? If you know, I realize you know specific cards come into play, but just in general, I happily look for having four cards of the same house. That's at least four cards of the same house. If I don't have that, I will usually mulligan 
unless I have a tech card in my hand or something that make makes a combo work. Um, other than that, like if I go first, I will always happily mulligan because going first is a free mulligan in this game. You get the extra card. You're like, okay. I mean, I can only play one card anyway. I still stay at six cards. I'll take a free look at you know what's what's next in the hand. Um, if I'm if I'm going second and I have a decent three card hand of of a single house, I'm tempted to keep it, but I I very aggressively mulligan, and it's it's a bad habit from different games because I want to see more cards of my deck and I. Mulliganing is a guaranteed draw five or draw six, so it's it is a much easier way to see cards that I really want early and kind of pack the later cards down in the bottom. But I don't hundred percent think that I am correct in my decision. But I definitely think that, especially if you're going first, mulligan aggressively is always the right answer. If I uh, if I don't have two creatures in hand. Or I have more than uh, one card, which is of no use to me in the early state of the game. I'm thinking cards that, you know, just simply do not have any application before there's a lot of amber on the table. I will mulligan. Um, It's nice to have that stuff in reserve, but I've gotten very, very nervous about gumming up my hand. Um, because that was a bad habit that I had early on in my playing of Keyforge. Like, oh, great, I got a, you know, a bait and switch on my very first hand. This will be great. And then it just sits there waiting for my opponent to have enough for me to use it. So, you know, I got to have something that feels like it's going to be useful in the first couple of turns of the game. That's going to be dependent on the deck. But I do have one deck that consistently serves me garbage uh, due to the creature ratio and the number of specialized effects in it on my first turn. And that one's almost a guaranteed mulligan and almost an unplayable deck, actually, at a certain point. What about you, Nick? Um, So I take a couple things into consideration. Um, Right off the bat, if there's no creatures, I don't want it. Um, And the other thing is kind of like... I, my my main deck has a couple like later game things. Um, it's got you know the bait and switch is one of the big ones. I'm either playing it, I don't know. I guess I'm playing the deck for library access. So my goal is to get a hand of like five, at least you know five logos cards with a library access, maybe a wild wormhole or whatever, or like a phase shift and just like hammer these out. Um, so if I you know if I get that library access earlier that um, bait and switch or something like that i'll throw that back um i also look for cards like i think it's like um in terms of redress i'm googling that really fast um yeah in terms of redress i have like two or three of those in my deck um and i'll i'll throw those back um but typically the biggest one is just creatures i just i want a starting handful of creatures um i also don't like having a like a a varied hand of houses you know i'd rather i like to start strong so i want like four of one house and then i don't care what the rest is you know i don't want two two and two or you know whatever the math actually comes out to be i'll tell you i got a, a draw that i would never mulligan um and it's almost the perfect hand to start off the game with the other day and it was one of those ones where i really felt like this is getting me off on the right foot which was i pulled a shadow's hand that had uh, three ghostly hands in it so it was six amber on my literal first turn, and it, it felt amazing to play that. Didn't feel very good like two turns later when I was getting stomped by by a, a crazy archive deck, 
But, uh, you know, uh, in that moment, I felt like I was king of the world, or at least the game store I was in. I, I also have a deck that has four ghastly hands, and yeah, oh, it, it's fantastic when you get multiple in your hand. You're just like, uh, you know, I'll just get a casual nine amber from my opponent. No big deal, right? Check. And they're like, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, that's always the, the rare situation of everything working perfectly in the world though like it feels great when it happens but you can't count on it yeah i'm a firm believer that because of the way that keyforge is designed that even the worst deck will occasionally have a game where it really excels even over like a better on paper deck just because of the the wild swings and randomness of keyforge uh, by design obviously i mean the the designers have talked about that extensively it's a game where crazy stuff is supposed to happen big swings are supposed to happen unpredictable things are supposed to happen which i guess takes us back to a thing we discussed the other week which was just like the is there value in a bad deck yeah play it a couple times and see if something wacky happens just for the fun of it just to see what happens that's very well said um and with that i think we will call it a night uh thank you guys so much for listening uh, a couple parting notes don't forget to check out the forum on the keyforge.com uh it it, it takes it takes you guys to get it going you know even if you're shouting into the void i promise someone will fire back it it would help a lot to get that thing going. Uh, if you enjoy the show and what we do, uh, either here or at thekeyforge.com, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thekeyforge. Um, by the time this show is live, we'll have a couple new uh, tiers on there, one of which will be able to, you know, you'll be able to listen to the podcast live. Um, you'll get VIP treatment for, you know, private tournaments, things like that, all sorts of cool stuff. We're going to actually have some cool prize tiers on there. Um, but other than that, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week.